Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast. We are your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. My name is Robert Winfrey, and I'm your host. And before we get too far into the show, I would just like to thank you, as always, for your support, for your listens. Whatever your platform of choice happens to be, whatever method you can use to interact with the product a little bit, that all helps out. Like, comment, subscribe, star rating, written review, and above all else, share. Tell the people that you know that you think would be interested in the show about the show. Point them in my direction. Let them decide for themselves. Uh, Yeah. What was I used to say? Tell a friend, tell an enemy, and tell a stranger. (laughs) And that should cover pretty much all of it. Uh, You'll have told... Somebody about the show and that uh, can you know, help the show grow, help us continue to thrive, and help me continue to do this for all of you. So, on the agenda this evening, last night, UFC on ESPN 40, which doubled as the finale of this season of The Ultimate Fighter, which was number 30, I think? I don't know. Haven't watched Tough in... I don't even want to know how many years at this point. <laughs> Might depress me. So we will go over that card, and what a card it was. Not very good on paper. Uh, Not very good on paper at all. But delivered the goods in terms of action in some respects. So we also have a preview next week. UFC is in San Diego. They will be presenting UFC on ESPN 41. We will be previewing that card as well. That has a great main event and a not very good supporting card. (laughs) It's kind of a one-fight deal. So, also, of course, news of the week, such as it is. So, uh, that's all I've got here. With that out of the way, let's jump into it, shall we? Last night, UFC on ESPN 40. We only had ten fights. Uh, There were a bunch of stuff that fell out. Uh, Let me see. Yeah, we had one at the... There was some minor medical issue with the fight between Priscilla Cachuea and Ariane Lipsky. Lipsky missed weight, and that was apparently enough to cause it to be bumped. Uh, there might have been some issue. It'll take place next week, and just be at bantamweight instead of flyweight. So I get to look forward to Lipsky and Priscilla Cachuea again. Yay. Uh, the other fight that got moved was a welterweight fight between Jason Witt and Josh Quinlan. Quinlan had a mild uh, issue with his drug test. It wasn't a full-on failure, so we're not looking at some kind of suspension, but there was some kind of an atypical finding. And while USAD is not going to suspend him, the Nevada State Athletic Commission would not sanction the fight, so they're bumping it to next week. Um, Yeah. The wonders of... Ugh. You guys really don't want to hear me go off on the UFC's drug testing policy again, do you? No. Yeah, I didn't think so. At this point, my stance on what the UFC's doing and whatnot is fairly well established. So, we lost, so those fights got bumped. It wound up again just being ten fights, so... Still took forever in a day. This was still a... Yeah, this was still a six-hour card. Uh... The broadcast started at 5.30 my time and ended, yeah, right around 11.30. So, yeah, they were about six hours, despite only being ten fights and having a bunch of finishes. Now, some of this I know, you like, there's only so much you can do. You do have an allotted amount of airtime to fill. But, yeah, this... 
this event, it really did drag. It, it just did. Uh, there was a lot of downtime. So, if, again, if you want me to rate the overall card, a lot of downtime. The Which is a... It's kind of a hallmark of these tough finales. They're just not very good events. There's always pacing issues. There's always weirdness. Now, we did we only had the two fights featuring tough fighters, uh, which was a nice change of pace. Normally, there's at least two other tough fights uh, that just no one cares about. So we only had the, fi uh, the finals, uh, which was, again, a nice little step up. But uh, your main event... Jamal Hill defeats Tiago Santos via TKO, punches and elbows, 231 of the fourth round. Uh, this was a pretty good fight. First round was close. I actually gave it to Tiago Santos. I thought he landed the more impactful strikes. But a lot of time spent both guys kind of getting a feel for each other. Uh, some nice body kicks from Santos. He's still, despite his, again, despite destroying both of his knees, one much worse than the other, he's still a very, very strong kicker. So that, uh, but Hill just spent a lot of time kind of getting a read on him. Uh, they both landed decent punches, but the biggest punch of the round, I thought, came from Santos. Anyone giving that first round to Hill, I don't necessarily object. I just don't agree. Uh, second round, Hill starts really finding his rhythm, finding his timing. He's landing the better shots. He hurt Santos at one point. Uh, second round, really good round for Hill. He opened that round with some really nice inside leg kicks, actually. Um, Hill fights southpaw. Santos does a bit of stance switching. And, yeah, good second round from Hill. Third round, uh, the second round, second round was like borderline 10-8, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Hill, oh no, sorry, I might be confusing that with Luke and Neil. Um... Yeah, no, no, it wasn't wasn't a borderline 10 day, but it was a clear round for Hill. He kind of got uh, Santos hurt at a few different points. Nothing like dropping him, but you know, visibly unsettled. Third round, Santos starts wrestling, and has a very successful round wrestling him. So I add Santos up 29-28 going into the fourth. Fourth round, both guys are pretty dead. Uh, they're both pretty well tired. Hill just has a little bit more in the tank, and Hill has the benefit of going forward, which is easier than going backwards on your cardio system and your muscles and whatnot. And he just kind of walks Santos down, hurts him again. Santos tries to wrestle. Hill counters it, gets on top, and is able to kind of pound him out from top position. Really nice stuff from Hill. Uh, not an easy fight. He had to... The number of people who just kind of get broken by the type of third round that he had is pretty darn high, so for him to still with it mentally and physically and rally the way that he did was very, very impressive. Uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, his power's legit. His skill set's pretty darn good. You know, he. Uh, I'm curious to see how he'd do in a more prolonged wrestling-based fight, because we only had the one round. But there's not a lot of very, very strong wrestlers at 205. Uh, certainly none that push a really, like, heavy wrestling pace. That seems... That's a bit of a... There's not a lot of those. His chin held up when he got tagged, which was a bit of a... Not a huge question mark, but a little bit of one. And considering, you know, the power that Tiago Santos brings, that's a... His chin seems pretty solid. Uh, you know, decent cardio for as long as the fight lasted. You know, having to gut through some tough spots, having to technique through some tough spots. Really good, informative win for Jamal Hill. 
Uh, after the fight, he said he'd like to fight Jan Blahovich or you know anyone kind of like. I mean, that, that was only the post-fight interview. If some of the other stuff he said, like he wants to fight highly ranked guys, preferably you know former champions and whatnot. So, with the top top of that title picture is really awkward right now. You know, we don't quite know what's up with Yuri Prochaska. Uh We don't know. You know, Blahovich is coming off of the win over Rakic, but that was based on an injury that he did not cause. You got Magomed Ankalaev, uh, who just had a really good outing. Uh, so you've got you've got Rakic still kind of in that picture when he gets back from injury, whenever that timetable plays out. Uh, you've the top of light heavyweight is kind of developed into a. There's a lot of uncertainty, but it's a surprisingly decent, you know, top of the division at this point. It's still not the strongest division in the UFC, but light heavyweight is not quite the dumpster fire that it used to be. You know, three years ago or so, it was kind of a joke. Like, that was just a dead division. It's not quite dead anymore. And Jamal Hill seems like he is going to be uh, part of the top of that division for at least a little bit. This was... This is impressive. As for Tiago Santos, uh, hard not to feel for the guy in some respects. He's just never been the same since that fight with John Jones. And that's understandable. I mean, he destroyed... Which knee was it he completely destroyed? Was it his right or his left? Uh, one second. Yeah, his... um. Yeah, his left. Is his left? Because he dis he damaged both knees. Which one? One of them was just much, much worse. I think it was his right that was really messed up. That was the one he tore the ACL, the PCL, the MCL, and the meniscus. No, no, it was his left, I think. His left one, he tore everything. And then had a, he tore something in his right. Um, I forget if it was a ligament or what, but he he damaged both knees. And it was his left one that was just completely, like everything. Everything in that left knee was gone. The only thing he didn't tear was, what the other, what's the other ligament? ACL, PCL, MCL. So the LCL would have been the only thing he didn't tear. Oof. I mean, you suffer that kind of an injury, like, yeah, you're probably not going to be the same after that. There's there's just so much damage. I mean, his only win since then was that decision over Johnny Walker. Uh, it sucks, but I think his time at the, you know, being around that space in the division is probably done. Uh he looked better than he has in the past in some respects here. Uh, but you know, he's... The fact that he came back at all from that injury is impressive. So I give him a ton of credit for that. But that's just... Coming back from that kind of catastrophic knee injury is just really, really hard. Uh, co-main event. Uh, I believe this was your fight of the night. No, it wasn't. Hill and Santos was your fight of the night. Hmm. Do I agree with that? It's not what I would have done. 
I actually would have gone Jeff Neal and Vicente Luque. That was that was my fight of the night. But I don't think giving it to Hill and Santos is wrong. Let me just put it like that. Don't think it's wrong. Anyway, co-main event. Jeff Neal defeats Vicente Luque via knockout punches. 2-1 of the third. Uh, Jeff Neal looked really good here. Uh, especially the fir- first round, he looked real... Jeez, uh, first round was almost a 10-8. He, got, he came out. Luque was the one pressing forward because he always does. But Neal started tagging him with a straight left hand pretty darn fast. And he just kept landing it. He hurt Luque multiple times, dropped him once, wobbled him, I think, like three times in total. Uh, Luque just struggled to get going, kept getting hit. Really nice stuff from Neil. Second round, Neil takes his foot off the gas a little bit, and Luque, I mean, the fact that he recovered from that kind of a beating and started working well again, Vicente Luque's a dog. Uh, he wins the second round, stayed busier, got his kicking game working a lot more. Uh, he was punishing Neil with front kicks especially, like he was really going to the body well. Uh, wins the second round. Third round is a bit of a firefight, uh, but Neil's got a bit more gas in the tank. He starts tagging Luke with the left hand again, backs him into the fence, unloads, series of uppercuts, backs him off. Luke throws back, but he gets tagged with the left hand. He drops. Uh, best win of Neil's career, probably. Uh, let me double check who else he's beaten. Um, whether or not it's the best name or not, you could maybe argue, but easily the best performance in a big win. Uh, he just, he looked really good here. He finally seems to, because he, he had that really nice winning streak, and then it got his winning streak got derailed by Stephen Thompson and Neil Magny uh, for very different reasons. Uh, he lost both of those fights, but he's rebounded nicely since then. At his best, Jeff Neal is very good. Uh, he wants to fight someone again uh, near the top of the division after this. Um, who was it he called out? Pretty sure he had a specific name. And for the life of me, I can't remember. Uh, Burns. Gilbert Burns, that was it. Uh, yeah, I'm down for that fight. I am absolutely down for that fight. Uh, I don't know if Burns will be, but Jeff Neal and Gilbert Burns, yeah, sign me up. I would be very interested to see that. A really good win for Jeff Neal here. Uh, sucks for Luke. Luke's a guy who just... I said this for a while. He got a really raw deal with his winning streak. I mean, this is the first. This is his first losing streak in the UFC now. I mean, he debuted in the UFC with a loss, won four in a row, with some pretty good wins along the way, including Bilal Muhammad, who he knocked out in the first round. Drops a decision to Leon Edwards. Goes on another long winning streak. This one, what, five, six fights? Yeah, six. Loses a unanimous decision to Stephen Thompson. Goes on another winning streak before running into Bilal Muhammad in that rematch and losing a decision. Uh, it was pretty... Like, there was no issue with Muhammad winning that fight. Like He was the rightful winner, but... Uh, this is the first time he's been stopped in the UFC. 
First time he's been stopped with strikes? Yes, it is. But it, there was a period of time when that when Vicente Luque was criminally underappreciated. Uh, he's a very good fighter. He just... Uh, he said he drew a couple of rough fights when he tried to step up, and there were a lot of people who were not... Just not looking to fight him. I'm, I am incredibly certain of that. There's a period of time when he should have been fighting bigger names, and there's a lot of people who he maybe stylistically would have been able to beat who were not going to sign on the dotted line. Uh, I don't have any evidence of that, but I that's my hunch. So hopefully he can bounce back. Luke is still a very he's a very good fighter. He's a very fan friendly fighter. So I'm not I don't think he's worried about his job. Uh, next up, our heavyweight finale for the heavyweights for the season of The Ultimate Fighter. Mohamed Usman defeats Zach Paunga via knockout. Nice little left hook. 36 seconds of the first, uh, second round, rather. I actually was impressed with Paunga. He moved pretty well. Uh, he won the first round, based largely on activity. Some decent kicks. Got a little bit too predictable in the second round. He throws kind of a jab towards the chest or body and doesn't get his hand back. Into proper position. Usman cracks him with a left hook, drops him like a bad habit, man. He was sleeping. So, uh, Mohamed Usman is the younger brother of Kamaru Usman. So, another pair of brothers in the UFC. First pair of siblings to win the Ultimate Fighter, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I'm not sure how much... Not sure how exactly how far either of these guys is going to go in the UFC. They're both still relatively young in their careers, so there's plenty of room for growth or a lot of track to face plant through. So we'll have to wait and see on that. In the same vein, the flyweight finale: Juliana Miller defeats Brogan Walker via TKO. These were just elbows from the mount, basically. 357 of the third. Um, yeah, Miller just better. Uh. A little bit better striking at distance, better movement, better angles whenever they would engage. Stronger in the clinch. Some, I mean, we're talking women's flyweight, and we're talking very inexperienced fighters as a general rule, but once she got on top, she was pretty decent. Uh, had pretty decent control, found ground and pound. I mean, there's nothing here that's going to light the world on fire by any stretch of the imagination, but it's a solid enough win. Uh, at heavyweight, Sergei Spivak defeated Augusto Sakai via TKO. Uh, these were punches, 342 of the second. Um, just wrestling and ground and pound from Spivak over Sakai. Um, Spivak has really started to come into his own. He's filled out a lot physically. If you look at some of his earlier UFC fights, he's a lot skinnier. Uh, he, he's been in the weight room. Like That guy is filled out, and it's serving him well. Uh, Sakai had some, he had some momentum at one point, but that has uh, all but evaporated here. Spivak seems to be the guy on the come-up who needs... you got to be paying attention to that guy. Uh, he's he's doing some good stuff. I think after the fight, he said, you know, I've had nine fights in the UFC and no bonus. Well, you didn't get one here either, buddy. Which is uh, kind of a shame, but... Yeah, the UFC does what the UFC does. So this should put Spivak into the top 15 at heavyweight, and he should be fighting only other ranked opposition for a while now, at least. And kicking off the main card, Terrence McKinney defeated Eric Gonzalez via rear naked choke, 217 of the first. Um, Terrence McKinney did pretty good here. 
He's a... I'm a bit curious how well he does over a longer fight. Because he's only been to the third round once. The fight he won, to his credit, back in 2018. But he fights like a bat out of hell, man. Uh, it cost him big against Drew Dober, actually. He was doing okay in that fight, uh, but just the, rec the kind of recklessness got to him, and Dober was able to put it on him. Uh, here it worked out in his favor. He came out really hard. Gonzalez seemed to be... His game plan a little bit seemed to be just kind of, you know, block. Let the guy throw some stuff. Look to counter. See if we can wear him down a little bit. Um, not, it didn't wind up working out. McKinney dropped him, got his back. Gonzalez stood. McKinney jumped to the backpack, got the choke. Not the best choke in the world, but if it gets the job done, then... You know, there's only a finite amount of complaining that can be done about it, so... After the fight, McKinney said he wants to fight Patty Pimblett. The UFC will not... <laughs> they will not make that. They like Patty Pimblett too much to put him in there with a guy like McKinney, who could absolutely ruin him. Uh, that ain't gonna happen yet. Uh, but... Uh, good win for McKinney, who seems to be kind of coming on at lightweight. Uh... Gonzalez, he's 0-2 now in the UFC. He had a, his debut was a bit rough. He got stopped by Jim Miller, got knocked out with a beautiful left hand from Miller. Um, he, he's in a rough spot. He's going to need to win his next one. I mean, that was your main card. Your prelims, there are only four of them. Again, we lost a couple of fights. Uh, Mikhail Oleksajic defeated Sam Alvey via TKO punches, 156 of the first. Oleksajic just... It's Oleksajic's middleweight debut. He was still the smaller guy. And, but he looked good. He looked real good. He's still a little bit wild with his technique at times, a little bit loopy. But at this point, I'm pretty sure it's just a choice on his part. Like He probably knows how to throw straighter punches, but for whatever reason, chooses to throw them the way that he does. Uh, he backed Sam Alvey up right away, uh, crushed him with a left hand, got on top, looked to finish. Alvey fought back up to his feet. Uh, Oleksajic... Just hit him with another left that dropped him. Um, yeah, really, really impressive debut at middleweight for Mihal Oleksajic. As for Sam Alvey, this is now nine fights in a row without a win. Uh, we did fix the Wikipedia. Is that now accurately reflects his record? Um, I mean, you'd like to say that the UFC should cut him. In fact, some of us have been saying that for a while, and I don't say that with glee. I mean, look, I've had to sit through plenty of boring Sam Alvey fights, so I'm not going to be sad to see him go in the sense that my entertainment value will be negatively impacted. But this is a man with a family. This is his job, and I don't... I, I, I take no joy in saying that I think he probably shouldn't be in the UFC. This is not me rooting for the man to fail financially or anything like that. that that's a bit too ghoulish. Uh, and the sport's ghoulish enough as it is. Doesn't need any more. Doesn't need any help along that particular track. But I, I don't think he should be in the UFC at this point. Uh, that's just... Now, you know, whether or not the UFC will actually cut him or not, you know, there's always... This is becoming a pretty big joke on the MMA uh, community, especially online. Whenever Sam Alvey fights, somebody showed um, one, of the, one of the gifts of Homelander from, uh, I think it's season three of The Boys, when he's looking displeased. And the caption was just, you know, Dana White watching Sam Alvey lose again, but realizing Alvey has access to all of your nudes or something like that. Uh, just, there's... By all rights, Alvey should not be in the UFC. This was the last fight on his current deal. Uh, 
again, I'm not I'm not rooting for the man to lose his job, but I just don't think he should be in the UFC at this point. Uh, let's see, welterweight Brian Battle, man, head kicked, knockout Takashi Sato, 44 seconds of the first round. Um, both men kind of came out throwing some jabs. They were opposite stances. Uh, Sato was southpaw. Battle threw a jab, and Sato reached with his lead with his rear hand to kind of parry it or expected a follow-up that never quite came. Left an opening, head kick, boom. A brutal head kick. A really nice knockout. Uh, yeah, nice finish from Brian Battle. You know, Battle might be someone we have to pay attention to. I mean, he came off of the Ultimate Fighter last season, and yeah, we joke. And yeah, I said this, you know, Sato's not the... He's not the stiffest test they could have given him here. Which is true. But you go out and you knock someone out in 44 seconds with a head kick like this, that that's going to get people's attention, and it should. So, credit to battle. Uh, nice knockout. Really nice knockout. At strawweight, Corey McKenna submitted Miranda Granger in the second round, 103, with a Von Flew choke. This was lower-level women's MMA. I don't have anything else to add to that. Um, uh, McKenna did become the first woman to score a Von Flew choke in the UFC, so kudos. And kicking everything off, Myra Buena Silva defeated Stephanie Egger via armbar 117 of the first. Little bit of controversy over the finish here. Um, Buena Silva gets the armbar. Uh, oh, minor uh, thing from my... Last week when I picked Egger, I don't know who I was confusing my, uh, Myra Buena Silva with, but I did. she is not who I thought she was when I was doing the predictions. I might still have predicted Egger. This is not me going back. No, I absolutely would have changed my, my prediction. But the picture that I saw of Buena Silva... I, I don't know what it was about it, but it didn't look like her. As soon as she was walking out, I'm, oh, I remember you. You're actually good. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, she got the armbar, so I still might have gotten that prediction wrong, but I would have uh, would have been a lot closer the way I thought about it. Um, Buena Silva is Buena Silva's legitimately a fairly talented fighter, so Maya culpa there. Anyway, she gets the armbar. Um, Egger... Uh, she gets it, they're kind of against the fence, and Egger's other arm is kind of trapped between her body and the cage, so you can't really see it. Buena Silva lets go of the armbar and says there was a submission. Stephanie Egger does not dispute this, but she does, neither does she acknowledge, yes, I tapped, leading to a bit of confusion. Now, whether this was a language barrier thing or her just trying to game the system a little bit, and frankly, I'd, I'm not mad at her either way. Look, if she'd come out and straight up lied about it, if she just said, no, no, absolutely, I didn't tap, and then we found evidence that she tapped like that, that leaves a bad taste in everyone's mouth. But she never, again, like, she never said, I, yes, I tapped. She never said, no, I didn't. She just kind of looked at the ref like, okay, what do you want to do, ref? Uh, the referee, Chris Tognoni, in this case, uh, I, he managed this as well as you could. He, you know, stopped the action told the one of the cage the cage side like review official put the light up we're going to review it they looked for a camera angle to try and find uh, to see if we can get an angle on the submission we could not uh, there was no camera on 
uh, Edgar's other hand. So apparently, what they what they did the next phase here, and what you do, or what he chose to do, rather, they pulled the judges. So Tonyoni went to the three different judges, asked if they saw anything. This is like you know, judging the fight is not only scoring the rounds. There's other stuff that goes into it. This is part of it. One of the judges who I think was the one right next to them when it happened, said he absolutely saw a tap. Uh, so that was the official ruling. Herb Dean claims he saw a tap as well. Turns out a little bit later. I'm not saying he's lying about that. I am saying it was funny because he was recording a cameo. The video the video service uh, where you can like request or you can pay for uh, messages from famous people. Uh he was recording one of those when this was happening, so... <laughs> yeah. Uh, MMA, everybody. Don't know what else to say. Uh, I don't have any... Like I, said, I don't have any objection to the ruling. It was handled as well as could be expected. Credit to Chris Tonioni for doing what he... For handling it the way he did. Um, saw this on Twitter, actually, and I'm going to quote it here because it amused me, but... Uh, Myra Buena Silva was very emotional after this, like visibly upset, almost crying. And somebody on Twitter said, you know, I've lost, like, I, I've dealt with, like, the loss of family members with less emotions. <laughs> that was less emotional than Buena Silva over a slightly disputed finish. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I made a similar joke, um... Uh, on my movie review podcast, uh, Damn You Hollywood, when we reviewed Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, I joked with Mark, my co-host, that uh, one of the earliest scenes in that is Leonardo DiCaprio's character being told, you know, you can continue doing bit parts in television and just kind of fade into obscurity, or you can come to Italy and make spaghetti westerns. And he comes out of the restaurant with this particular meeting and immediately just breaks down in tears. It's over, I gotta make spaghetti westerns. And I, my joke was, you know, Mark, I'm pretty sure you got the, you handled the news that you had cancer with a little more composure than he, than this character did being told he has to go make spaghetti westerns. So, yeah, she was, she was very emotional about it. And I'm not going to, my joke there is more situational than like making fun of her, I think. So I'm not trying to be dismissive. You know, fighting's a very emotional activity. All the prep work that goes into it. You know, plenty of fighters break down after fights. Uh, so I'm... This is not me... You know, I'm not pointing and laughing. And, and I'm not mocking Buena Silva here. But I can acknowledge the situation is, fun, is a little bit funny. So she got a win. Um, like I said, Maiva Buena Silva is a pretty darn good fighter. Um, she had a couple of losses in the UFC. One to Marina Moroz. It's a little bit odd. Uh, the loss to Manon Fior was kind of the one that precipitated her move back up to bantamweight. Um, this was her, yeah, she had been at flyweight in the UFC until her previous fight against Wu Yanan, and then this one here against Egger. Uh, she's good. Uh, again, Buena Silva is a, she's a good little fighter, so keep your eye on her. She's, she's solid. She's a solid talent. As for Egger, again, it's a rough setback, but, uh, yeah, you know, she's two and two in the UFC. She's still there's still plenty of room for her to develop as a fighter, uh, assuming she makes the appropriate steps. Now you may have noticed something about that particular card as I read out the results, because that's the end of them. Every fight ended in a finish. 
Every single one. This was the first event since UFC Fight Night 55, which took place in 2014. That was the card headlined by the first fight between Luke Rockhold and Michael Bisbing, when Rockhold choked Bisbing out with a mounted guillotine. Uh, it was in Australia, I seem, I believe. So, first time since then, we've had a card with all finishes. So, kudos to that. You'd think the UFC could have marked this auspicious occasion by giving performance of the night, by giving performance of the nights to everyone who got a finish, but no, but no, but no, of course not. Yeah. The UFC and their intermittent generosity. Look, look, I'm sure there were other bonuses handed out. There usually are. There are other discretionary bonuses. But it's still not going to rise. It's still not going to raise what the UFC pays out each year over, you know, 18%. It's just not because they're never going to go over the 20% mark. Anyway, that was UFC on ESPN 40. So thank you to everyone who read my live, who followed along with my live coverage or read the report after the fact. It is up in the MMA zone of 411mania.com. If you are so inclined, please go give it a listen. All right, moving on. Well, actually, I want to talk about, eh, very briefly. I mean, the PFL had, I think they were starting their lightweight finals. Um, Anthony Pettis lost his fight with Stevie Ray and broke both of his hands along the way, so... Uh, very unfortunate for Mr. Pettis. Um, I could have talked about this last week, but the, there was supposed to be a fight between Jake Paul in this boxing fight and Hasim uh, Rahman Jr. Well, that fight fell apart after Rahman Jr. apparently couldn't make the contracted weight. Not a good look for him. Uh, so, is there anything else over the weekend I wanted to touch on? Let me double check what else happened at the PFL. I have the li- I have the you know, results here, so let me double check that. Uh, I think the only th- other thing of note there. Let's see. Omari Akhmedov, uh, who's in the light heavyweight tournament, got a win over Josh Silvera. Josh Silvera is somewhat notable in that he is uh, he is the son of Conan Silvera, who is one of the head coaches at American Top Team. Uh, y- if you saw a picture of him, you'd probably recognize him. So. I uh, mean, solid enough win for Akhmedov. I mentioned already Stevie Ray beating Anthony Pettis. Uh, I think the other side of the bracket there, actually, for lightweight was Olivier Aubin-Mercier and Alex Martinez. Olivier Aubin-Mercier got a win. Uh, yeah, I think that's everything from the PFL season I wanted to touch on. All right, let's move on to this upcoming Saturday, UFC on ESPN 41. Main event. This is the big one. Uh, the most, uh, this is easily the best fight on this card. Marlon Vera and Dominic Cruz at bantamweight. Darn good fight. If this were three rounds, I would favor Vera, believe it or not. I I don't say that very often, but I think very highly of Vera. Uh, he's a rugged fighter. He's got power. He's pretty good everywhere. Over five rounds, however, there's very few people, I think, can hang with Cruz. Even Cruz at this point in his career, which is, whether he wants to, whether he would be comfortable admitting it or not, uh, he's he's not really in the title picture. He's, he's almost kind of an elder statesman at this point, but he's still ranked, he's still fighting, and he still wants to fight for the belt. So, And if he keeps winning, you know, you can make the case. You can absolutely make the case. Um, 
He's on a two-fight winning streak. Had a really nice performance when he beat Pedro Munoz last year. Uh, came back from a tough first round and turned in a, a great performance. That was a great fight. Five rounds, I just think, favors Cruz more often than not. I, I just think that's a, just a tough hurdle to overcome. Vera's going to push things. Um, so Vera's got power. Domi we don't talk about this a lot with Dominic Cruz, but that man's got a heck of a chin. I mean, his, the fight where he lost to Cody Garbrandt, he ate a couple of... I mean, he got dropped more than once, and Garbrandt can thump. Uh, the punch from Pedro Munoz that dropped him, you know, that... That Munoz has slept plenty of people with essentially that same punch. Dominic Cruz has a very good chin. Um, and so does Vera. I I think Vera's a bit too... Vera's aggressive, and aggressive fighters can play into Cruz a little bit. Like I said, three rounds, I might actually favor Vera to find two rounds of the three. I'm not sure I... I'm not sure about three of five, though. There's a, there's a, those extra couple of rounds are a pretty big difference. I uh, might be very wrong. I said Marlon Vera is a very, very, very good fighter. And, uh, his only loss... I can't say his only losses in the UFC are to a handful of guys, but if you look at who he's lost to... I mean, his most recent loss was to Jose Aldo. Uh, and he gave Aldo a tough fight in that second round. He's on a three-fight winning streak, and it includes that brutal knockout of Frankie Edgar in the third round of a fight where he might have needed that finish. Certainly needed the round, if nothing else. Uh, he beat Rob Font in his last fight out, and Font's not an easy out by any stretch of the imagination. I, I think pretty highly of Chito Vera. He's got the most stoppage wins in UFC bantamweight history, by the way. Uh, I still, I think, kind of have to lean Cruz, and maybe that's because I'm a... I'm a deep respecter and admirer of Cruz's overall skill set and what he's uh, kind of brought to and done for the sport in a lot of ways, but uh, this is a big test for Vera. If Vera can get past this test, um, he, he'll probably be do a title eliminator, to be quite candid. I mean, Bantamweight's a stacked division, but he should be fighting someone in the top five after this if he beats Cruz. Like, it'll be a big win for him. Uh, but that's a really, really, really good fight. So I can't look. I can't wait, man. That's a great fight. Everything after this is less good. So let's see, we have a catchweight fight between Angela Hill and Lupita Godinez. Why is that catchweight? There is no indicator of why this is catchweight. Okay. Um, we were supposed to have a fight here on this card between Viviani Araujo and Alexa Grosso. Fortunately, Grosso had some kind of visa issues, so that fight got scrapped. That sucks. Uh, that would have been a that would have been a relevant fight. Like the winner of that fight might have been next for the title. Um, certainly could make a very good case for it. Let's see. Anything else just kind of fall out? Um, looks like we lost Malcolm Gordon and Alain Nascimento. Uh, we lost... We're supposed to have Aspen Ladd and Sarah McMahon. That got bumped to a fight later in September. 
uh, Lada looks like she had a, had a positive COVID test. Uh, if she has, if she does in fact have COVID, I hope she has a speedy recovery. Uh, let's see, I think that's it. Okay, so let's just go through the rest of these. Again, we have Angela Hill and Lupita Godinez. <sighs> Angela Hill, when she's operating at her best, is a very good fighter. Unfortunately, she can't maintain peak uh, output and ability for very long. She gasses. I've said this before, man. You get outworked by Claudia Gedalia in the third round. That should tell you something about your gas tank. Uh, she's still got gas tank issues. I... I might, like, I'm not going to be surprised if Hill wins, but I think I am going to lean towards Godinez here. But there's a size difference here that Godinez has to navigate carefully, so something to be aware of. Featherweights, Nate Landwehr and David Onama. Um, the UFC likes David Onama. Probably going to lean towards Landwehr. Uh, Landwehr is he's a weird guy, but he beat Ludovic Klein his last time out with a Pretty nice anaconda choke, actually. Yeah, I'm going to go with Landwer. But I'm not confident in that. Uh, light heavyweights, Devin Clark and Azamat Mirzakhanov. see, Mr. Clark beat William Knight his last time out. I vaguely remember that fight. Uh, Mirzakhanov. He has fought in the UFC before. I'm... Almost positive. Look. If not him, someone with a very similar last name. Uh, Mirzakhanov is undefeated. He's 11-0. Yeah, yeah, he knocked out Tafan Chukwi. Uh, earlier this year, actually. So, pretty decent flying knee, actually. I, rem I remember. I remember the finish, that I think about it. I actually think I am going to lean towards Mirzakhanov. Um, but if Clark can put the wrestling on him, uh, again, that's another fight that I, I have a way that I lean, but that's, I don't lean hard. Let's see, uh, women's flyweight, Cynthia Calvillo and Nina Nunez. Oof. Boy, this might be the last stand for Cynthia Calvillo. She's on a three fight losing streak. Uh, she's been out of action since November of last year when she got battered by Andrea Lee and her corner stopped it between rounds two and three, which was a which was the right decision, by the way. That was going that went bad for her in a hurry. Um, for a woman that at one point was thought like, hey, she's gonna have something for the top of this division. Uh, boy, the wheels fell off of that in a hurry, didn't they? In a hurry. Um, question. So she, her back's up against the wall here. I mean, Nina Nunes isn't exactly in a great spot. She's lost her last couple of fights, but I mean, at least you know, she has a. I don't think she's too worried about her spot on the. Ro I don't know. The UFC's like been very weird with their roster management over the last little bit. I I just don't know that I can pick Calvillo at this point. So I'm gonna pick Nunes, but it's another closely matched fight. Now, let's see here. Middleweight, Gerald Mershart and Bruno Silva. Uh, Mershart coming off the loss to Christoph Yotko. It was a slightly weird fight. Um, Silva had that tough fight with Alex Pereja. Um, like he, gave, he went out there and he fought Pereja. Um, yeah, Silva is pretty legit. 
Mm, this one, another one that could go either way. I think I lean towards Silva, though. Uh, Strawweight fight. Yasmin, where is this woman from? That's going to inform how I butcher her name. <laughs> where are you from, ma'am? Uh, she is from Mexico. So that's going to be a... So that's an H sound. Uruguay? There's no S Uruguay. Yeah, my my Spanish is terrible, just for the record. So I am guessing. Uruguay? Yeah, I I apologize. I, there's no way I'm pronouncing this right. Absolutely no way. Uh, I'm going with Uruguay, uh, and I will just correct myself next week when I when I know how to pronounce it properly. So. Uh, she is fighting um, Ismin Lucindo. Uh, so Uruguay is 8-0, undefeated, making her debut. Lucindo is 13-4, making her debut. On a pretty good winning streak, actually. Yeah, seven fights. That's nothing to sneeze at. Uh, I think I'll lean towards Lucindo, but don't know enough about either woman to feel confident in a prediction. Uh, heavyweights up next. We have Martin Bidet and Lucas Breski. I know I'm mispronouncing that gentleman's last name. I I looked up how to pronounce that particular spelling in Polish. Um, there, was some, there was some other like location that everyone pronounces wrong. Uh, Despite it being spelled uh, a, a specific way. I mean, it's not even Lucas, actually. It's Wukas. You know, the L with that particular mark in it in Polish makes more of a W sound than an L sound. But here we are. Just where there was a guy, um, another fighter in the UFC for a while. His first name was the same was Lucas. But he had pronounced, it's supposed to be pronounced Wukas. And uh, his nickname was the Wookie. And it made sense because it was kind of a phonetic joke. Uh, but I'm going with Breschke, and I'm just apologizing because I know I'm doing that wrong. Anyway, Breschke is 8-1-1. One, and one. He's making his debut. Yeah, he had a no contest in his last fight that was on the Contender Series. Got into the UFC anyway, because if your name's on their list, they find you. Um, Bidet is 10-1. and one. I believe he's fought in the UFC. Yeah, he beat Chris Barnett uh, last year. Out of action for... No, sorry, this year. That was... Yeah, this year. Um, hmm. Probably lean towards Bidet, but... Uh, I mean, that's another one that like, I don't know enough about either guy to make a really concrete pick. Lightweight, Gabriel Benitez and Charlie Ontiveros. Charlie Ontiveros still hanging around the UFC. I believe he's winless in the promotion. Uh, let me double check that, but I'm pretty sure... Am I confusing Charlie Ontiveros with someone else? I might be. No, I am not. Uh, he is 0-2 in the UFC. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Picking Gabriel Benitez. I mean, Benitez isn't exactly in the best spot, but... He's coming off of that lo uh, the loss to David Onama. 
Does that make me change my mind? I kind of remember that fight. Did that change me, my opinion on Onama and Landwehr? Because Onama is, um, I believe, is Ugandan. He fought recently, didn't he? No, this is going to bug me until I double check. Yeah, Onama's 10 and 1. Yeah, he fought like last month. Yeah, yeah, about a month ago, actually, he beat Garrett Armfield. That's not going to change my pick. I think I am still going to lean towards Landwehr, but don't be shocked if Onama pulls that one off. Anyway, back to Benitez and Otaveros. Pick Benitez. Not not terribly concerned about that one. Um, Bantamweight. Yusuf Zalal against Daman Blackshear. Uh, Zalal. 2-3 and three in the UFC. but he, uh, Sorry, 3-3. Three and three. But he's on a three-fight losing streak. And he's been out of action for a while. He last fought in June of 21. Uh, yeah, he's been out of it for a bit. Blackshear, I believe, is making his debut. Uh, yes, he is. He's on a four-fight winning streak overall. I'm, I'm going to pick Blackshear here just because I am. Uh, and then we have Ode, uh, Flyweight, Ode Osborne and Tyson Nam. Ooh. Pretty good, actually. Um, Osborne's on a two-fight winning streak. Nam. Coming off a loss to Matt Schnell. Pretty good fight. I actually think I'm going to lean towards Osborne here, but that... Keep your eye on that one. That that'll People will sleep on that one, but that's a pretty good fight. And the... Fights from this last event that got moved to this one. Jason Witt and Josh Quinlan. Uh, Quinlan, excuse me. Still going to lean towards Witt. And then Lipsky and Kashwaya, and I still don't care. Now um, it's a bantamweight. Moving it back. Um, I think I'm going to... I'm still going to pick Kashwaya, I guess, but yeah, who cares? So that's our current list of fights. That is, how many fights is that? 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. Now that's 13 fights at the moment. The potential for another one to be on there, I think. Um, again, I doubt it, but there's loose potential. I mentioned the fight between uh, Malcolm Gordon and Alain Nascimento. Um, Gordon pulled out. They might throw someone else in there for Nascimento. Then again, they might not. They just they did just get two more fights to bolster the overall card up above the 12, which is, I think, the lowest number they like to go with is 12 these days. So now that they're at 13, they're probably not going to go out of their way to try and squeeze another fight onto the card. Anyway, as I mentioned, that event will be it will be at the um, Pechanga Arena in San Diego, California. A bit of a homecoming for Cruz, who fights out of San Diego. Uh, yeah, and I will be covering that Saturday in the MMA Zone of 411mania.com. So if you're so inclined, please do stop by, say hello. I always appreciate that. Alrighty, that is all of that. So let's move on to news, such as we have it. All right. We have our next middleweight title fight. UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya will be defending against the man who has twice defeated him in kickboxing, Alex Pereira. That will be the presumptive main event for UFC 281. This is the UFC's return to Madison Square Garden in November. 
There's not a lot else going on at the top of middleweight. I am a-okay with this fight. Very curious about it, actually, to be to be candid. Um, Adesanya's had a lot of success by learning how to stop people from making him not kickbox in MMA. So how he'll deal with another guy who is just a kickboxer and is different a different kickboxer stylistically from him, but who is who can hang with him on that level will be an interesting puzzle. I'm I'm very curious to see how that plays out. So good main event. Uh, happy for that fight. Uh, also, the UFC is working on Michael Chandler and Dustin Poirier to be on UFC 281 as well. Heck yes. Who in their right mind is going to complain about that fight? Bring it on. Bloodshed, violence, all of that. Um, great, great fight. Yeah, Assuming it gets made, and I'm really hoping it does. So UFC 281 has a main event that will... Uh, good main event. They're going to try to bolster it, of course. That's one of the cards the UFC tries to put a lot of effort into. Is their kind of annual trip to MSG, so... Be on the lookout for that to get boosted. But... If they can get Chandler and Poirier on that same card, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to find a better one-two punch, necessarily, than, than that. Um, they'll probably try to find another title fight, but we'll keep our eye on it. Uh, 281 already shaping up to be pretty darn good. All right. Um, well, I guess the time has come. I must talk about Conor McGregor. I don't want to, but it would be somewhat disingenuous of me to ignore... A little bit of what happened here. Um, Connor made a tweet, you know, th- you know, something like "Thank you, MMA. I'll always remember you." Um, here's the thing. For those of you who might be curious about that, if you don't know this story, um, Amazon, since they, well, Amazon bought MGM, uh, the majority of the the movie production studio, MGM. And one of the and so now they're going to look to remake and capitalize and franchise, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, on any of the properties that they got. Some of which will go straight to streaming on Amazon Prime. Some of which might get theatrical releases. That's also a little bit up in the air. But they announced they're going to remake the classic 1980s cheese ball, and I love it, movie Roadhouse. If you've never seen Roadhouse, I don't know what you're doing with your life. Uh, but you really should. It You have to understand it's a product of its time. Could never get made today, certainly not the way it was. Um, especially if you're a pro wrestling fan. Terry Funk's in it uh, does, as an actor and doesn't do a bad job. It stars Patrick Swayze, Sam Elliott's in it. Uh, again, for what it is, it's kind of glorious, you know, movies for guys who like movies kind of a thing. And... They tried to do a sequel a number of years ago, and they were gonna—it was gonna star Ronda Rousey. She was gonna play Patrick Swayze's character's name was Dalton. Was gonna play his daughter. Um, it was never a great idea. Uh, Ronda's not a good actor. Uh, that was just a bad idea. Now they're just trying to remake it, um, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> it, but they have attached to star. Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal, which is another terrible idea, and Conor McGregor is going to be in a major role. I don't know exactly what, but he will be featured. Um, okay, for the record, when I say Jake Gyllenhaal is a bad idea casting-wise, 
Jake Gyllenhaal is a genuinely fantastic actor. Like, genuinely. Great actor. I give him all the credit in the world for his acting ability. But he's not a draw, and if he is attached to star in a movie, it tends to that tends to be a big red flag. Um, he's just... Uh, what was the comparison I made when I heard about this? Oh, right. This was a little bit like casting Adrian Brody to be your lead in uh, the Predator sequel, Predators. It just, it's a bad fit. I think Jake Gyllenhaal is just a bad fit for this. But if Connor's going to try to become an actor, uh, I don't know, man. God bless him. I'm not going to miss him in MMA. So Connor is, again, like he's just looking for other avenues or other things he can do to leverage the UFC. And if he can get that via acting, then whatever. I'm not going to cry over the UFC paying someone more. And like I said, I also won't cry if Conor McGregor never steps foot in the cage again. So, But that's a little bit what's up with Conor. And yeah, we'll keep our eyes on that and see what comes of it. I imagine he will not be a very good actor. Because acting, and I've, I, look, I did this rant a little bit after Israel Adesanya and Chris Pratt got into their... It wasn't even really a tiff. You know, Pratt said something that wasn't exactly complimentary of Adesanya's fight with um, Jared Cannonier. And Adesanya responded with, you know, I can do what you do, Chris Pratt. You can't do what I do. And I immediately laughed and said, you know, Mr. Adesanya, with all due respect, you're one of the best fighters in the world. You could beat me with one hand tied behind your back. I get it. You don't know what it is to be an actor. Acting is an incredibly difficult job. Uh, if uh, And if you've never done anything related to the making of film, you will not realize that. But if you've done anything related to the production, especially like the acting and the shooting and whatnot of a movie, if you've seen what actors have to do, it's a very difficult job. Uh, it's a really hard job. And it's just... Uh, you know, actors get a bit of a bad rap because they're either like seen as prissy, uh, prima donnas or... You know, anyone can do what they do. Why are they so grossly overpaid for what they do? Like, there's a lot of that. But no, acting's very, very hard. And that needs to be acknowledged a little bit. I don't expect Connor will be great, but who knows? I, I, I think that whole movie's going to suck. And Mark's probably going to make me review it, too. So that will be a thing. All right. Uh, that's what I've got at the moment. Wow, I might get out of here in under an hour. Go me. Uh, let me check Twitter, see if anything crazy in the MMA... Oh! Right. I saw this earlier today. I need to mention it. Um, there was an eight-time former world champion in jiu-jitsu named Leandro Lowe. Uh, that's not his name. That's more of his performance name. His actual name is different. Um, l- big, big fixture in the jiu-jitsu world. Played, uh, innovated a lot of guard work. Uh, in fact, if, you, if you're like me, uh, the channel... BJJ Scout did a lot of very, very great technical breakdowns of fighters. He's got a whole series on Ben Askren's uh, wrestling in MMA. A lot of very informative, very insightful stuff on Dominic Cruz, uh, etc. Like, genuinely great stuff. He's got a great series on uh, Khabib Nurmagomedov. If you haven't looked up his stuff, please do so. Uh, he came out and said, you know, the reason I started my channel was analyzing low, and he was... Um, Reports currently indicate he was shot to death. Uh, and I can't quite say murder because if there was some kind of altercation, it was a fight that just got way, way out of hand. You know, I mean, it might still be murder technically, but 
murder in that context might take on very like uh, various iterations of what that could mean legally. So, uh, in a like in some kind of an altercation in I believe it was Sao Paulo, um, terrible loss for the jiu-jitsu community. Uh, that really really sucks. So, wanted to acknowledge that. Let me check Twitter one last time here, see if anything else in the MMA combat sports sphere has broken, and if not, we will do plugs and get out of here. Nope. So, I got for plugs. The usual spate of professional wrestling coverage. AEW's Dark Elevation on Monday. If MLW does anything, that will go up. I will review that when it goes up, usually Thursdays. But MLW is on a bit of a break at the moment. I think next month? It's either later this month or next month when they come back. And they've got a bunch of taped stuff that they can still uh, go through. Uh, they have their entire Battle Riot taping segment they need to release still. So that will be back at some point. And WWE SmackDown on Fridays. If you're so interested, so give any of those a read. If, you're interested in my, if you are interested in my other podcasts, this week, Damn You Hollywood will be reviewing the Brad Pitt uh, action comedy? Maybe just slightly comedic action movie, Bullet Train. So uh, we will be reviewing that on Tuesday. Please do stop by Damn You Hollywood. Just type in Damn You Hollywood into your podcast platform of choice and you should be able to find me there. If not, it's over on the W2M network, so give uh, you can fo- uh, find and follow over there if you're so interested. All right, that's it. Thank you very, very much as always. I appreciate each and every one of you for all of the support that you're able to lend towards the show. It means the world to me. Thank you. Uh, I will see you next week. We'll be back here to review UFC on ESPN 41 and preview UFC 278, which takes place about an hour north of where I live in Salt Lake City. Uh... I've mentioned this before, if I had a mobile means of accessing, uh, of you know, covering and whatnot, I don't have a laptop. Long way of saying I don't have a laptop. If I had a laptop, I might actually have applied for press credentials. That would be an interesting experience, I think. But uh, I do not, alas, so I do not. But I will be covering it, and we'll be, we'll be previewing it next week, and I will be covering it from the comfort of my house. So... I will see you all then. Until then, stay safe out there and continue to be well, be safe, and behave.